Chapter thirty five of the Apostle of Alaska The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. R. Tander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. The Pioneers At New Metlakatla, the pioneers found work enough before them. The dense primeval forest extended down to the beach the giant trees all the way from one to six feet in diameter quite a distance from the ground had to be felled stumps removed the land cleared and ground drained before the permanent allotment of town lots could be made they all went at it with a will while there had many years ago been a small clinket village at the spot the only evidence of it now was an old totem pole which has since been removed and now is found in the museum at sitka one of the first public buildings to be erected was the sawmill where a plant was installed and kept busy sawing the lumber for temporary buildings as well as for use the next summer in the erection of a cannery building as to permanent dwellings the edict of mr duncan was that none should be built for the first two years he was afraid that some of those who had come might desire to return to the fleshpots of old metlakatla after a while and he did not desire that they should be held back by having permanent and costly improvements the same spirit was over him as of old there was to be no discontent all should be footloose so that they could pull up and go back if their hearts were not in it in spite of this only two or three families returned one of his first acts was to gather the adult men together and explain to them their duties to the new country which had received them so kindly it was a sight worth witnessing when in the faint glimmer of the oil lamps all these swarthy men young and old at the behest of their beloved leader who already held a magistrate's commission one evening held up their right hands and with a patriotic glow in their eyes solemnly and collectively swore allegiance to their adopted country the proceeding was not authorized by law but mr duncan knew that it would as far as the indians were concerned have just the same effect as had it been a legal proceeding he wanted to bind them at once with the ties of allegiance to the new country the next thing to do was to draft and adopt a constitution for the new community which every resident of the village had to accept and sign before he could be considered as having any rights there the result of mr duncan's labors in that direction was the following declaration of residence we the people of metlakatla alaska in order to secure to ourselves and our posterity the blessings of a christian home do severally subscribe to the following rules for the regulation of our conduct and town affairs one to reverence the sabbath and to refrain from all unnecessary secular work on that day to attend divine worship to take the bible for our rule of faith to regard all true christians as our brethren and to be truthful honest and industrious two to be faithful and loyal to the government and laws of the united states three to render our votes when called upon for the election of the town council and to promptly obey the by-laws and orders imposed by the said council four to attend to the education of our children and keep them at school as regularly as possible five to totally abstain from all intoxicants and gambling and never to attend heathen festivities or countenance heathen customs in surrounding villages six 
to strictly carry out all sanitary regulations necessary for the health of the town seven to identify ourselves with the progress of the settlement and to utilize the land we hold eight never to alienate give away or sell our land or building lots or any portion thereof to any person or persons who have not subscribed to these rules this constitution has never been changed or amended and is faithfully lived up to unto the present time after the ground had been cleared and drained the village was surveyed and a plan made of the blocks and streets here again the wonderful wisdom of mr duncan showed itself all envy and jealousy must be kept out of the new community so in making up the town plat he divided every block into four lots of eighty by ninety in order that every native householder should have a corner lot but now came the question how to distribute the different lots so that there would be no trouble there was a preference of course the lots facing the beach or rather the public street running immediately above and along the beach were the best and the handiest for a population which spent half its life in the canoe or boat the first method of distribution was by the drawing of lots but the result convinced mr duncan that it would not give satisfaction so thinking it over during the night he evolved another mode which he felt sure would be successful calling them together the next day he announced that all done the day before would have to be annulled i am not going to have you feel badly towards each other if i can help it he said now i have thought out this plan the oldest brother in each family chooses his lot first then the second the third and the fourth then if there are more the same proceeding is resorted to in the block back of the front block etc if you do not then get what you want don't blame me but blame yourselves for not having come into the world any sooner than you did the humor of this parting shot took hold of the indian mind and the plan worked satisfactorily the rev r tomlinson mr duncan's faithful co-worker at old metlakatla for the past five years came over to the new place for a few weeks but as he could not find any conveniences for his large family he left them behind in mr duncan's house at the former home after consultation they came to the agreement that mr duncan as he now would not be called away from the settlement to fight the battles of the natives against the bishop's continuous and sinister attacks could perhaps get along alone and as mr tomlinson was anxious to take up again at the first opportunity his work among the upper skeena river timsians the jonathan and david of the coast had an affectionate parting and mr tomlinson thereafter located at mayonskinnisht the foot of the pitch pines where he ever since has continued to carry on a blessed work on his own account without the support of any mission society the fruits of this work will perhaps never be fully known until that great day when our accounts up yonder are finally closed dr blewett duncan also accompanied mr duncan to the land of freedom and for more than five years not only gave them the benefit of his christian sympathy and practical advice but also relieved him at a time when his attention was greatly needed in other directions of the duty of giving medical attendance to the sick it stands to reason that by the persecutions to which mr duncan and the metlakatlans had been exposed at the hands of both church and state in british america and by their being deprived of their property as well as of the fruits of years of labor and saving 
their funds were not in very excellent state to withstand the drain of removal and of building up anew their little town while mr duncan has always been averse to asking any help whatsoever from any one friends were by god in this their hour of need mainly by the valuable assistance of henry s welcome a wealthy englishman who at his own expense published and spread broadcast a book on the glorious work of mr duncan raised up both in america and england with the result that within two years of the removal to alaska the benevolent fund as mr duncan has styled it had reached the sum of six thousand five hundred ninety one dollars and fifty five cents at midnight on june twenty eighth eighteen eighty nine the colony had the misfortune to see the destruction by fire of their sawmill and of all their sawed and dressed lumber entailing a loss of over twelve thousand dollars as there was no insurance on july tenth mr duncan was already on his way to portland to purchase machinery for a new mill it is evident that it had not taken a long time to make an american of him though he was not then possessed of the means with which to pay for it he felt the absolute necessity of quick action if the building up of the new village should not receive a serious setback he succeeded in getting the extra time allowed him in less than three months from the date of the fire a new mill of greater capacity was running at full blast and by the following may friends in america had contributed anent this loss the sum of six thousand sixty nine dollars ninety two cents thus covering about half the actual misfortune practically all of this amount had been raised through the magnificent efforts of the hon e j thomas of brooklyn massachusetts who has since gone home to his father's house in the meantime the building lots distributed had been deeded to the persons entitled to them by the village council on payment of a three dollar fee which was covered into the treasury the lots were being cleared fences built berry and vegetable gardens started and the building of permanent houses commenced the dwellings were mostly square two-story buildings built of dressed lumber and provided with verandas and porches in march eighteen ninety one mr duncan could report that ninety-one substantial new dwellings had been erected the number of dwellings in the village today is one hundred and thirty every year of late some of the residents have discarded their old homes and built new houses most of them however have been concerned as far as the improvement of their property goes in freshly painting their dwellings and putting in new picket fences around their lots even among the houses built of late years the square two-story building style seems to be the one predominating but a few of the more recently built homes would in style and arrangement do honor to any little new england village of its size among them may be mentioned tom hanbury's house built in nineteen o two painted dark green with white trimmings alex guthrie's bungalow built in nineteen o three painted pink with white trimmings and dark red shingled roof and benjamin a haldane's house built in nineteen o six and painted orange with white trimmings and dark green shingled roof the monument in front of his house was placed there in honor of his deceased father matthew haldane one of mr duncan's most trusted friends who is not however laid to rest at this place he was buried in the cemetery end of chapter thirty five